Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show will be real talk. We'll be talking to special guests, industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've worked their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Thanks for coming back again this week. Of course, you know who we're with. We've got Tough Mother Gail. Hello. And we've got Tough Mother Lisa. Hi, hi, hi. And as always, I have to say, hey, Gail, what'd you do last week? You know what? I turned it off. Good girl. Ooh. I did. I had three days to just of downtime and did really nothing exciting. Oh, I did. Wait, I did. I did do a fire in the rain. That was a little impromptu thing. That's fine. But outside of that, I just took salt baths, I read, I saged, I just took care of myself. Good for you. Wow. So you need that. Everybody more. needs that. Yeah, everybody needs that. And Lisa, what's going on? Well, I decided to go visit friends and um, they said, have you ever been on jet ski? I'm like, yeah. Oh, let's go jet skiing. Well, let me just tell you, the only time I was on a jet ski was in St. Martin. Clear, calm water. Oh, no. We're in Barnegat Bay oh. on Sunday. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. And this jet ski is flying. And I am crying like a baby. I thought I was going to die. I just, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Wait a they went she's... to go. They went across the bay. They went to go get gas. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, they're going to get gas. I'm staying. They're going to go back to the house on jet skis and pick me up in a car. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, going did, back. But, I mean, you did have a life preserver on, right? I did, but Gail, it's like you're literally like you're airborne. And I don't weigh that much. No. Oh, they're hitting the waves. And yeah. They're hitting the waves because, you know, we had a crazy weekend, you know, with the yes, storms and right. stuff. Yes, so it was like, yes, that's bam, right. bam. Bam! And I'm like, stop! Oh my gosh, you must have been clenching. I can't. My inner thighs are killing me from clenching. My arms, my... I feel like I did like 25 sets of flies. Oh, it... But you know what? At the end, I'm like... We can't let your cousin beat us. We got to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there it goes. It kicks right in. Now. Kicks right in. Kicks right in. Can't so that was it. it. Well, um, what did I do? I see I had a family picnic, which was awesome. My um, grandson turned 13. Happy birthday, Aust. We went to their games, which they won. It was great. It was 13 and nothing, believe it or not. And he's 13 years old. It was 13 and nothing. He's the quarterback. My other grandson, Stone, is wide receiver. So it was a great weekend. It was wet. And then Monday was glorious. How beautiful mm. was It was Monday. really, really beautiful i couldn't yeah. even believe it like i took everything i had outside like computer wise so i could work outside nice. mm-hmm. and just sit there and enjoy it so it was a beautiful day and so now that we're in the 
football mode mm. for football season. Come Woo-hoo. and get you some. Come and get you some. <laughs> anyway, this wow. week's guest is a woman that I have great respect for. I can't wait for you to hear from her. She's awesome. She's college football personified. I mean, she's got it going on. They let her down by the locker room. She's on the sidelines. She's everywhere you want to be when you're at college football level. So she's going to tell us how she got there what it was like, and what she does when she's there. We'll be back with Rachel Barbo. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. This week's guest is a woman I have great respect for. Now that I've learned more about her, I have even greater respect. Rachel Barbeau is a powerhouse tough mother, to say the least. In 2008, she became the first female sportscaster to fully participate in a professional football training camp. She's also the first female host on SiriusXM College Sports Now. And in 2015, she was honored with the prestigious Heisman vote. That's an annual vote that you vote for the outstanding player in college football. A writer for Gridiron Now, a TED Talker, and a speaker, the co-owner of Joyful Fashionista, and as ESPN puts it, she's referred to as impressive and infectious. We welcome to the One Tough Mother Show, Rachel Barbo. I had to do that, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I did too, because I love football. You're on, Rachel. How are Hello. you? Hello. I'm wonderful. Thank you. I, I feel so honored that... Uh, that you guys would uh, find my work and my life worthy to want to do this podcast. And I'm uh, I'm extremely thankful for social media and the connector that it can be for all of us. Oh, absolutely. And are you saying I stalked you down? Because I, yeah. like, everybody knows I do, so it's okay. I want to thank you for being our guest. And I, I want to also say, when I say you're a powerhouse, you're a powerhouse on and off the field. Take us down memory lane just for a few minutes so everybody has a little yeah. bit of your background. Tell us how you got started in this career. Yeah, you know, I I always knew I was like, um, you know, a show person. I, I knew I was a people person. I knew I could be on in front of people. Um, but I, I didn't quite know what that looked like. And I went to school to be a general assignment reporter. And my my background, uh, my ra- my makeup, my ethnicity is uh, Mexican, Spanish, Seminole, Mayan, Cherokee, Creek, and Jewish. Um, so Yes, I'm quite a mix. And I remember I went to school for general assignment reporting. And I remember there was a there was a, a terrible story, but it was a white supremacist group on on campus that were leaving these these uh, leaflets. And I remember going to my boss at the, the campus TV station and saying, send me, send me, I'll go undercover. <laughs> and uh, and he said, Rachel, you're everything they hate. I mean, you, you couldn't, we couldn't send you. And, and I, I guess I, you know, it all came to roost at that moment. But that's what I originally wanted to do was general assignment reporting. But then when I, I really realized that I'm such a sensitive person and I'm an uh, empathic, I take things in, I really feel things, I feel people, sometimes to my own detriment. And and I, I realized, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do house fires and car wrecks and white supremacist yeah. groups. I, I don't know if I can handle this on a day-in and day-out basis. And so I had always grown up with sports around with two brothers that played everything from baseball, basketball, archery, tennis, BMX, bike racing, swimming, you know, you name it, we were there. And um, and so I had that, and I had a stepdad who loved Alabama football, uh, who slowed the game down and really explained it to me. I had a dad, 
um, that was also a big football fan, and a grandmother who was a Falcons fan uh, and a Braves fan. So I grew up around sports my entire life, and, and really one day I was sent out by the campus TV station to do an assignment covering the baseball coach, and I'll never forget my first interview, but afterwards the clouds parted and, like, the sun shone through, ladies, and, and I, I like to tell people it was my aha moment. I recognized at that moment that sports was what I was going to do with my life, and it really has become the platform in which all these other things have manifested. That's so awesome. And in, in 2009, I mean, women in sports and women in sports broadcasting – Tell us what the atmosphere was there, because you weren't in gymnastics, you weren't doing tennis, you're not doing figure skating, you're doing football here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, 2009, uh, at that time, I, I had been in Columbus, Georgia for six years. I had done everything from, uh, I was a sideline reporter for an arena team, I was a editor for a Latin newspaper, I was um, a NASCAR reporter, um, I literally did it all. I, I did a, a football warm-up show. And, and the, the thing that I love to tell people is I worked for three years for almost three years for free, for nothing. I got no paychecks. And I would come home at night and sell log homes uh, for my, my parents' company and work all night doing that. And I'm so grateful for those three years of not getting a paycheck from jobs that I was expected to cash in and cash out, or excuse me, ch- you know, uh, clock in and clock out. And you know, that was really the foundation for everything that else that I've done in my life. If I, if I struggle, if I'm going through something tough in my life, I think about the perseverance that it took to lay that foundation for my career. And all of those things led up to a paying job. And then I, um, there was the economic downturn of 2008 and 2009. And just as I had gotten my first radio paying job, my first co-host, I was, you know, a co-host on a very popular show, I was very excited. Uh, I lost my job. And I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And what I thought was the end was really just the beginning. And that's how beautiful life is because I ended up taking a job as an Auburn graduate at the arch rival Alabama. And not even six months later, I was covering a national championship in the Rose Bowl uh, for the top program in the country and would go on to cover three or four more before I went national. So I think that if, if somebody's listening to this, um, I like people to take away points um, from, from my life. And that is oftentimes when you think it's the end, oftentimes when you think it's just the worst, that it's over, it's really just the beginning uh, if you can just hold tight. It's so true because they sent you, they literally sent you down the rabbit hole, literally, but you wanted to go down the rabbit hole. You're like, okay, I'm going to take this opposing stand and go down and figure it all out. And I think that's really awesome of you because it's scary. I mean, you're a tiny person. Like you're not, you're tall. You're not tall. Are you like five? I'm five, three and a half. That's the funniest thing when I played football and went to this training camp uh i you know the coach said well you can you can do this with us but two two you know conditions one we're going to tackle you and two you're going to be expected to do everything that everybody else does so that was running wind sprints learning the playbook and i'm tiny i'm like five three one thirty and and um so you know they about broke me but i <laughs> again i learned a lot about myself and and it's in those moments uh, where I've overcome and I've persevered and I've just pushed through, even Kilimanjaro as well later on in my life. Um, I, I have to oftentimes mull that over, and I have to say, that girl got up the mountain. That girl got through training camp, Rachel. You can get through this, too. You're, you're right. And you know what? So for, for that amount of time, in, in 2015, you had to be feel valid, validated by this. You get a Heisman Trophy vote. I mean, yeah. you had to like walk around with your head up and like strutting like, hey, here I am. This is it. A Heisman Trophy vote. How impressive is that? Well, you know, what's interesting um, about that is, is I had lost my dad 
in 2014 and unexpectedly and and i was um very open about it because i'm i want to adopt as well but i was i'm a child of adoption my dad adopted me at 18 months and he had no biological children um and he was my dad and i was his daughter and i lost him unexpectedly in 2014 and so i have this recliner that it's really special to me it's his recliner and i was sitting in my recliner and i opened my uh, my email i try not to get emotional happy tears but um I opened my email and it was just an email and it said, congratulations. It was from the Heisman trust. And it said, congratulations, Rachel. Um, you are one of the 870 people in the world. Um, we've bestowed you with a Heisman vote. And it, to me, it was no coincidence that I was in my father's recliner when it happened. Oh my um, I kind of felt like I was, you know, I had a direct line from heaven, right. kind of like I was in a hug from him. And I just thought, you know, that, that young girl who, as much as we've made strides in, in, in sports casting for women, it's still very hard. It is right. still very, very hard. Um, and there's a lot of things that we face as women that a man will never face. And, you know, I, I just thought in that moment how apropos, how poetically, you know, uh, poetic justice, if you will, that I was sitting in his recliner when I got that honor. And I thought about all the hard work and, and everything that had gone into it just to be recognized um, by my peers and, and to be uh, just in such a – elite group of people in the world voting for that award and he had to be like incredibly proud i know yeah. i lost my dad and a lot of things i do i think about that i think i hope my dad's super super proud so 2015 is a big year for you not only did you get a heisman vote but you climb a mountain yeah. tell us about why and i can't i read this story and then i watched you talk about it on your ted talk and yeah. then it just blew my mind what mountain did you climb and why Climbed Kilimanjaro, 19,341 feet. It's the world's tallest freestanding mountain in Tanzania. Um, and I'm no mountaineer, just like I'm no football player. <laughs> um, but a friend of mine, a friend of mine that I met in 2011, um, his name was Kevin Turner. And uh, he was the recipient of the Ed Block Courage Award. And if you don't know what that is, it is uh, in the NFL circles, it's voted on by your teammates. So it's not voted on by a lackey like me, like a, you know, a reporter. It's voted on by your teammates who play for the Patriots and the Eagles and um, played for Alabama. And his nickname was the Anvil, the Immovable Force. He was a, a fullback that played at like 250, big, thick neck. And when I met him, uh, somebody had suggested that he come into my studio and do this segment that I created called Pay It Forward Friday, where I honored people in the sports world that were doing more with their life. And, and I really wanted to, um, I wanted to leave people on weekends with something beautiful and so he came into my studio for that. Well, he had just been diagnosed with ALS, and um, his started in his hands. And I remember when he came into the studio, I didn't want to, but I felt pity for him. Right. And, um, and he picked up on it. And when we started the interview, he said to me, he said, and he was talking to me, but he was talking to everybody in the audience. He said, I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me. He said, I could step off a curb. You could step off a curb tomorrow and get hit by a bus. He said, at least I got a heads up on my life. I say I'm mm -hmm. sorry. I hug my kids. I live my life to the fullest. And I remember when he walked out of the studio that day, I thought, I am going to fight for that man. And I didn't know yet what that looked like and the profound impact that he would have on my life and on the future endeavors and the future things I did, especially when it comes to college athletes. But I um, planned a fundraiser for him. It went okay, which is an okay turnout. And I'm not an okay person. And, um, Went home that night, fell asleep on the couch, and woke up and was watching a, a documentary on Kilimanjaro, and I thought, that looks miserable. Like, it doesn't look fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pretty. 
You know, I'm like, this looks miserable. People are walking like, you know, they're slow. They call it pole, pole, slow, slow. And uh, I woke up the next day and I called the head of the Kevin Turner Foundation. And I said, I've got this crazy idea. Why don't we climb Kilimanjaro? Why don't we climb for Kevin? And she said, you're nuts. I'll never forget it. You're my kind of nuts. Let me call legal. Let me see if we can do this. And that was... Um, uh, in the fall of 2013 and the spring of 2014, nine people, including myself, summited Mount Kilimanjaro for uh, the Kevin Turner Foundation, raised over $80,000, and we did it in a blizzard. Um, everybody else turned back. We honestly should have turned back. We had nothing but cramp. We had no crampons, no ropes, no special shoes, no nothing. We had headlamps, you know, our regular clothes that we we're going to wear up on the summit. Uh, and hiking shoes. And so there was some death-defying stuff, obviously, that happened up there, but we made it, and uh, we lost Kevin uh, in this, excuse me, we lost Kevin in 2015. Uh, so it has been, uh, it's, it's been unreal how he changed my life and, and what that climb did. Uh, it's, been, it's been nothing short of spectacular, the impact he made on my life. And you're not getting away that easy because I'm backing <laughs> you down. You yeah. fell. You fell on yeah. the mountain. Tell them how that felt. Tell them what happened when it's pitch dark. You have a lamp, headlamp on. You and yeah. one other woman fall. Yeah, and the other woman that fell, she fell after me, and she had to be ice axe arrested. And so a guide ended up underneath her, uh, literally, and went with her. Instead of just letting her go, he decided to go with her. I'm an absolute hero, and she ended up donating and, 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 and donating so much that his kids get to go to school and go to college. Um, that's just a beautiful story in its own. But before that happened, I was at the end of the line, and you, they tell you to step where the person steps in front of you. And I went to step where the person stepped in front of me, and my foot went through, and, you know, I, I slid on my on my chest. And, you know, I always like to tell people that, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes, and I'm like, that's BS. Like, there, there was no time for your life to flash before your eyes. And by the way, you're on the Western Breach, which is straight up and down on a good day without the snow and the sleet, it's screeing rocks, and it's straight up and down. And if you fall, you just kind of fall off the mountain. You slide and you fall off the mountain. And there are no ambulances up there. It's a metal cot with four little handles and wheels on the bottom, and they run you down if they can find you, if they can get to you. Right. Um, and so I, I remember sliding, and I just whimpered. It was like, ooh, that's what it sounded like. And, and I slid, and all of a sudden I feel this big, strong arm grab me by my, by my, my, my arm, at his hand, and I look over, and it was the guide that they had put on the climb at the last minute because of the weather. Oh. And had they never put him on that, on the climb, you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know what would have become of me. That was, that's um, just such a crazy story, and it's, it's kind of terrifying when you, when, well, not kind of, it absolutely is terrifying, but the fact is, it's so pitch black up there, you yes. have such a tiny little light in front of you. That had to have been so scary. How long did it take the entire climb? Um, so we got dropped off. We acclimatized and very fortunate in this village. We acclimatized in this village. And um, so we got dropped off at 6,000 feet. We went 6 to 9 the first day, 9 to 12, 12 to 15, 15 to 17. At 17,000 feet, you get there at noon and you take off, you rest as if, as if you can rest. Uh, and you take off at midnight. And I firmly believe they have you take off at midnight so you can't see what's around you because if you did, you would want to go back down. <laughs> well, that would and there's be really, done. <laughs> yeah, there's really not a good way down um, from that point. I mean, you just have to go walk all the way you've came, you know, the far you've come. And so uh, you have 17 to 19. Summit day is really the beast. So it's five days up and two days down. Summit day is the beast. You leave at midnight. 
you summit sometime in the morning, and then you have to keep going because you have 10,000 more feet. So you go 17,000 up to 19,341 feet and then back down to 10. So you're on your feet. I'll never, like, you could see the camp and you're just bedraggled. You know, your my knees were burnt, you know, or uh, you're tired, your lips are blue, all those things. But then you keep thinking about the person that, that you did this for, for Kevin and for everybody that he fought for that has ALS. And you think that, you know, as I said before I left, you're not, you know, lying on the beaches of Borneo for Kevin Turner. It's it's climb for Kevin. It was supposed to be hard. And I remember asking God before I left, make this hard. And right. I think now, Lord, don't ever ask for anything that you don't <laughs> literally mean uh, from God. And so, you know, it, it, it was, yeah, five days up, two days down. But that summit day, 18, 20 hours on your feet was a real doozy. Yeah, that that's crazy. I, I read another thing about you that I really loved, and I, they call you the activist for what is right. Mm. I think that's just such, such a fitting thing from the the articles I read about you and what I've seen about you. Tell me, what's changing the narrative? Mm. Well, changing the narrative is a movement uh, that I created in response to what I saw going on in the sport that I love so much, which is college football, that I've dedicated my life to. I've covered other sports, but I'm more of a college football reporter than I am anything. I specialize in that. And last summer, I saw the headlines, and they were negative. It was negative, 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 sexual violence, domestic violence, guys getting in trouble. And I thought for my radio booth at Sirius, I thought, you know, I can just sit here and rail about this and talk about it. Or I can be somebody who wants to go out there and do something about it. And so I decided to create this curriculum called Changing the Narrative. And it's very simple stuff like, who are you if you're never a football player? Like, what were you born to do? Um, What's your passion? Uh, You know, what makes your heart beat faster? How do we look at women? How do we treat women? What does it mean to be a good man? Um, Those types of things. And originally it was to, again, another twist of fate in my amazing, beautiful life. It was originally meant for high school athletes, and I still want to go there. That's still the next phase. But a friend of mine, he's a very famous sports psychologist, and, man, he'd be a great guest for your show. His name's Kevin Elko. He called and said, by the way, FSU wants you. And, oh, by the way, they're shooting a Showtime preseason uh, show. And I'm like, what? You know, and I never even considered putting this talk in colleges where I actually do my work. I just hadn't considered it. And so I went down there. I gave the talk. And then – uh, it was amazing, and then I, I learned a lot, and I went and gave a talk at Clemson 14 days before they dismantled Ohio State and then went on to win the national championship. And I gave a couple of more talks in the spring, and then I gave three over the summer, and then in August, in a 14-day period, I visited eight schools. Wow. And what I've learned from this that has been so beautiful is that these men are dying, these young men, these athletes are dying for you to know who they are and what they care about, and and they're dying for you to know who they are beyond football. Right. That they're somebody's nephew, somebody's son, somebody's grandson, uh, you know, and, and somebody's brother. And I, I've so because I'm not a coach, they talk to me. I give them these bands afterwards, say changing the narrative, and I said, don't you dare! And I and I encourage them, and I challenge them to be a king because here's the thing: their whole life they've been told. A lot of them they told me that they're only good for football. Their oh, only boy. worth is football. And that and that is why when these guys get out of the NFL or get down with football, they're so they're so lost because their identity has so been wrapped up in football. But I encourage them to be a king, not just on the football field, in every facet of their life, with their word, with their time, with their effort, with their character, when no one's looking, the way we talk about women when they're not around, the way we treat women. 
And so I encourage you to do that. And afterwards, I say, you know, if you want to do that, if you want to be a better man when you walk out of here and the man you walked in, take this bracelet. And afterwards, they come up and hug me, and then we connect on social media. And once they have that place, they'll either tell me afterwards at the talk, they'll wait till everybody leaves, or they'll whisper in my ear about, um, you know, their deadbeat dads or um, how their moms, uh, you know, got a drug problem, or they've got a little sister that's autistic, or they saw some homeless twins when they were younger, and so they've always had a heart for for homeless people, and they want to start a program. And so what I encourage them to do is to um, is to find what sets their soul on fire, find their climb for Kevin, find their own changing the narrative, because they were meant for more. And once they learn that, once they get it, that their life, you're, they were not created for them, for cars, for women, for money, prestige. And I tell them, some of the richest people I know are some of the most miserable and saddest people I know. When you figure Absolutely. out it's not about you, your life will completely change. And so it has just been nothing short of miraculous. They connect with me afterwards, and they tell me stories about forgiving their deadbeat dads and stopping at a wreck to help people because they knew that's what a king would do instead of hurrying on to where they were supposed to be. Or, you know, how they were going to be better boyfriends, how they're going to be better husbands. I had one young man tell me, he said, in 45 minutes, Rachel Barbeau uh, made me want to be, and I'm going to be, a better father, a better husband, a better son, a better player, a better citizen, a better human being. And I thought, you know, when you get messages like that, you know that you're doing what you're meant to be doing in the world. You've got it. You've, you've got, you've found your passion and your purpose. Yeah. And usually when you yeah. do find your passion, your purpose is the very next thing that follows. And I have yeah. to be honest, not only are you one tough mother, you're one badass. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't line up against you. And I'm a little bit bigger than you are. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think, Seth, would you line up against her? Absolutely not. Seth's <laughs> a man of few words but at any rate we're just thrilled beyond tears to have you on and I really want to um, say that you were, you're such an inspiration on and off the field that I, I just can't get over the fact that that you're so accepted and, and you love what you do and that's what the world is about is about loving what you do and moving forward and sharing it with others I have to give raise, uh Tough Mother Lisa, the mic for a minute, because she has yes. this burning question she has to ask you. Absolutely. Okay, Rachel, one of my favorite all-time movies is Draft Day with Kevin Costner. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Have you seen it? It's been a long time, but I have seen it. You okay. have to maybe remind me a little bit of it, but yes, I have seen it. Okay, so is that kind of accurate, the way it goes, with all those deals and everything? And Oh, absolutely. It's subterfuge. Oh, I mean, God, it's, it is... Uh, it is and, and the, what will happen uh, close to the draft is you'll have teams putting out things about about other players. You'll have teams putting out, you know, erroneous things and that they're going to do this. It, it's, a, it's a large game of, of poker. Mm-hmm. And you are trying to, oh, is he going to do this? Are they going to make a deal? Are they going to trade up? Are they going to trade down? Um, you know, you'll have, you know, even erroneous things come out on players that, that are not true and their, their draft stock will – um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll drop and, and somebody else will grab them up. I mean, it is, it is very much uh, the art of subterfuge. And I tell you what, I've, I've covered the Senior Bowl for many, many years down in Mobile and been around a lot of NFL scouts uh, at all different levels. And that's one of the most uh, nervous bunch of guys that I have ever <laughs> been around because it's such an inexact science. And yeah. You know, guys like the Cowboys, um, even back in the day, which Alabama kind of works uh, along with them and the way that they 
they did their draft. They relied on a computer very early on and a set of data, um, not their, you know, not their gut feelings. Um, but it is, it is an inexact science. And if you don't draft a player and you miss on him and he comes back to haunt you or to beat you, you know, it can, you can lose your job. Oh yeah. Uh, So it's, 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 um, it's interesting to say the least. Well, I'm very excited that we watched the scene. She movie. made me watch it last night. <laughs> <laughs> she says, you're watching this. It's so great. <laughs> Tough Mother Gail, what do you have for Rachel? Anything? What's next for you? What's 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 next? What 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 other mountain are you going to climb, Missy? <laughs> um, well, you know, changing the narrative is my mountain now, and there's so many facets of what I want to do. The next coolest thing that's happening with changing the narrative is Next year, I'll be taking this to NFL teams because there are no limits on on uh, encouraging men to be the high, work at the highest level that they can and to think outside themselves. Right. So I'll be going into the rookie symposium. That's the the hope, and into these training camps with NFL teams. But the next, the really cool thing that's happening is um, I've started five hundred one. Excuse me, changing the narrative is now a five hundred one c three. Oh wow! And Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And what's going to happen is businesses will sponsor these endowments, mm-hmm. okay? So say it's a $2,500 endowment. I will go back to the school, every school that I've been to, and those players and those coaches will vote on the man who most exemplifies the tenets of the changing the ma- narrative man. He's a leader. He cares about his community. He gives back. He's a character man. Uh, he keeps his word. He puts mm-hmm. in the extra effort. All those things. And they'll vote on him. And this is the coolest part. When he exhausts his eligibility, he'll get this $2,500 endowment to start his own foundation. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. Awesome. Yes. And so the business owner will have the opportunity to mentor him and to guide him, not only him, but my board. And so when you look back at it in 10, 15 years, there will be 20, 30, 15, however many uh, take and keep, but there'll be these these foundations all across the country and the things that they care about, whether it's the one guy told me, I you know, I want to take Down syndrome kids on the field and adults before football games and for athletic events. Um, another one said, I have a little sister who's autistic. I want to get noise-canceling headsets in the stadium for them. Wow. Another one again, yes, and they tell me their hopes and their dreams. Another one again said um, that he saw the homeless twins underneath the bridge when he was younger and he's been haunted and wants to help homeless people. So, They'll go take their endowment with our tutelage and our mentoring, and they'll go back to their communities and start changing their communities. And what I encourage people to do is just take the rock that is your life and throw it out on the mm-hmm. pond and right. just try to make the biggest ripple you can. And so I, I, you know, I'm just one person. I'd like to get married, and I have adoption on the, on the brain. And whether that happens before I get married or, or not, I don't know. It's up to God. But that's kind of my next personal thing. But in this, in my in my purpose and my passion, if I can make my rock count for something and encourage and train up future leaders and help these young men uh, become the best that they can be. I got a message from a guy, ladies, the other day that said, I said, how were you a king today? And he said, well, there's a group of guys and we were all talking and all the guys that were like, these hoes, this, these, uh-huh. you know, you know, whatever this. And he looked at me, and said, they aren't hoes, they're girls. That's and excellent. he kind of dropped the mic and walked away. Good. And so if we can get them operating on their highest level in their own groups, in their own, uh, you know, niches, in their own communities, and which is what we're doing, then, then, I, then my, my rock on my pond in the pond of life has made a difference, and that's all you can hope for. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a legacy, really, Rachel. You're building a legacy. At some point, somebody 
down you know years from now is going to be thrilled to be one of the voters to one of your big eight mm-hmm. one of your big legacies oh, yeah. i think it's amazing well i have to thank you a million times over thank you for coming thank you for being on our show we appreciate it we appreciate everything you're doing out there um we think you're the greatest and at any time that you want to come back we're here for you so rachel thanks for being on the one tough mother show I would love to come back. I would uh, hope that you'll have me back, and maybe I can come after football season and tell you some more incredible stories about uh, about these young men and, and what they're doing. I'll, I'll leave you with this one uh, to really um, make you think about the impact. If you get out of yourself and you realize it's not about you and that your life is, is meant for more, is meant for legacy. I had one young man uh, after I left a school come up and hug me and and, you know, we talked about being a king and, and the ways that he could do that. And he sent me a message, a private message later on. He said, Rachel, I um, I left there and he said, I recognize that, you know, that I do want to be a king. And he said, I, I got to tell you, I have a deadbeat dad. And he said, my whole life I've been working so hard to be not like him. And he said, I realized in a lot of ways I was turning out just like him. He said, after your talk, I was encouraged to pick up the phone and call him and tell him that I forgave him for never have be, having been in my life. And um, he said, I feel like a weight has been lifted off of me. That's awesome. I feel like I can now operate in the, in the manhood and the kingness and, and all that God has for me. And he said, I just want to thank you. I feel like a two-ton weight is off my back. And you think about that. Right. Um, families being restored, young men walking in, you know, and everything they're supposed to be in, and their kids, and then their grandkids, and the future kings and queens that they're going to raise up. So, um, so thank you. Thank That's you for amazing. recognizing this. Thank it's you. wonderful. Thank you and for getting so, it. While you're working on the Kings, we'll be here working on the Queens because we're, yeah. we're working on <laughs> trying to teach everybody that there's a certain way that you have to be treated mm-hmm. and you should be treated with respect and you shouldn't expect anything less. So hey, listen, let's let's come back. Well, I want to come back and we'll talk all about dating and it. being a queen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love that. We're, we're there. We're, you know, come to New York. We'll have you right in the studio. I would love it. That's fabulous. We'll have a wonderful season. I'll look forward to seeing you on TV. We'll look forward to hearing your broadcasts. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lots of love. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. And as always, we're back with Lisa. And she's got Tough Mother's Headlines and Headaches. Lisa? And they are sponsored by Milano Wigs, the most natural and undetectable wig, because September is alopecia month. Oh. So. Oh, it is? Yes, it is. I didn't know that either. And October is, you know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they're very big into that. Okay, we got a a bunch, a bunch of stories. I'm going to fly through these. I'd like to start off with something football. Inside the world of women's tackle football, playing pro football is still a dream for women, as you all know. There are only three 11-on-11 contract women's amateur leagues in the United States. Only 4,000 women play tackle football, and there's no pro leagues yet, which really is sad. It's either $500 to $1,000 per player per year, and that does not even include equipment, medical expenses, anything. The fields run up to 200 bucks an hour. And there's, um, oh, I love this woman, Allison Hamlin. She is the quarterback for the D.C. Divas. And she said, we would all die to train, recover in a hyperbaric chamber like the guys do, but it's just not realistic. Mm. We're doing everything we can to grow the sport. And guess what? 
she's a homicide detective. You know, wow. let's reach out to her and get her on. I, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll it was an awesome. amazing story. It really was an amazing story. Would you want to play tackle, tackle football? In a heartbeat. Yeah, I me too. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally. Quarterback. Really? Quarterback. Oh, my gosh. I'm too pretty. Or running back. I'm too, I'm too girly for that. Even though I, I do know how to, I know how to throw a spiral. Well, you could be my, quarterback. My cousin taught me how to throw a spiral on Thanksgiving Day. Hi, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to start off with this, but I'm just going to say this in the words of Governor Christie, the New Jersey governor. Hurricane Irma, mm. if they tell you to evacuate, leave your homes and leave the beach. Florida is now in a state of emergency. It's a Category 5, as we know. Winds are 185 miles per hour and may go up. Worst storm ever since Andrew 92, but it also may be the worst storm recorded in history, and it's going to land in Puerto Rico at some point today. It's have free. You, have, have no you, idea bad. where it's going. Have you guys seen it? Yes. Bad. Have you seen Very the bad. aerials of that? Yes. yes. It's, it's a beast. It, it is. Looks it is. Like, I've never seen anything I've like it. I've never seen anything like it. And yeah. I've got friends who were texting me from Anguilla and family in the Caribbean, and I'm hoping oh, that yeah. you guys are my all... My brother lives in Florida. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. And my so. parents are up here, thank God. But they do live in Delray, so thank God they're up here. Okay, so I thought this story was absolutely hilarious. Wait a second, wait a second, Lisa. You said touchdown today, just let people know, because they'll be listening on Friday, that this is Wednesday. So people know, so people don't listen to the show and freak out thinking it's going to touch down on Friday. Oh, 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 oh. I'm listening to people know. Okay, so what Good job, Seth. Seth got you. He caught you. Oh, okay, keep going. Okay, so this story was just, I found hilarious, but so true. Female entrepreneurs invent a male co-founder to avoid sexist discrimination. Here we go. It's not the first time we've heard the tech world is sexist. Remember Google? Penelope Gazin and Kate Dwyer had to invent a male co-founder to get their firm started. The ladies who founded the online art marketplace Witchsee created an imaginary third co-founder named Keith Mann, which they used to correspond with male developers and designers. It came after developers and designers, most of whom were male, obviously, used condescending tones towards them, which they didn't really like too much. One developer opened an email with the phrase, okay, girls. Mm -hmm. Another attempted to delete their website after Gazin declined his offer for a date. Really? It was like night and day, Dwyer told Fast Company Magazine after they started to send emails under the Keith pseudonym. It would take me days to get a response, but Keith could only get a response and status update. I could not. Right. But could also be asked if he wanted anything else or if there was anything else that he would need in the future. That's stupid and I'm tired of it. Totally ridiculous. Okay, one other thing. This is pretty big. It's been all over the place for two different reasons. Teens may do better when school starts later. I've heard that. Yeah. And it's on Time Magazine's Time Health website. Middle and high school students should start school no earlier than 8.30, says the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. So we will now call them AASM. In a position statement, they said docs say starting school earlier... In the morning prevents kids, teenagers, and children from getting a full night's Mm -hmm. sleep, which can affect their health, safety, and academic performance. AASM recommends teens should sleep 8 to 10 hours a night, but 70% of the high school students, guess what they get? They average 7 or less. So the reason? As children grow through puberty, their brains produce melatonin on a delayed schedule, which I did not know that. I didn't know that that either. And that makes it hard for them to feel tired at 11 p.m., if so, they'd have to sleep till minimum 7.30 a.m. or later to get enough sleep. But get the, this is the kicker. And according to a new study from the Rand Corporation, delaying the start of school till 8.30 
would contribute, I'm glad we're all sitting down, except Karen, $83 billion to the U.S. economy within the next 10 years. I, I That's crazy. That. If you've had I teenagers, see. you know that they sleep long oh my periods. Gosh. They're up all night. They're nocturnal. Yeah, they're like yeah, nocturnal true. animals. Got all that, all right. that puppy energy. Yes. And all the social media. They're all in bed with their phones, texting and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yep. So um, Missouri mom donates breast milk to Hurricane Harvey victims. I thought this was so wonderful. Danielle Palmer donated over a thousand ounces of her saved oh. breast milk to families affected by Harvey. Her oh son God. Truett was born. This, this is really amazing. Her son Truett was born with a congenital heart defect and he was unable to eat for the first month of his life. She kept pumping and saving the milk during all of her son's surgeries which by the way were eight to this day she donated formula and bottles of water so she froze everything oh that's amazing and then sent it to i I, honestly like i was like wow that talk about gift of life right and then do we have time for the uh, one Run. more? Go, okay. go, go. This Kohl's, is a good one. So, this is great. Kohl's latest retailer oh. partner with Amazon to sell Echo devices in its stores. The rollout will begin in L.A. and Chicago in October. Shoppers will be able to purchase Amazon devices from within Kohl's stores. Kohl's will also promote Amazon home services. They deemed it the smart home experience. Kohl's is the latest to hitch itself to Amazon. Others include Sears and Best Buy. Mm. Amazon also bought Whole Foods, and some of their produce, which I love, and products are now being marked down. They're on hey, a roll. Hey, hey. They're on a roll. I should have bought that stock. I know. I should have bought that stock. And that's all we got. All right. Well, that was a great one, Lisa. And where do we find all that stuff at? We find it all at onetoughmother.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Hashtag OTM, hashtag One Tough Mother, hashtag Tough Mothers, and again, onetoughmother.com. Everything will be there. Right. Thank you, Lisa. You were quite Lisa. welcome. Have a good one, and we'll be right back. We're back, Lise. What do you got for quickies? Quickies. Lots of quickies today. Princess Kate and Prince William are expecting their third child. But wait. They won $120,000. There was a case that they had against France's Closer Magazine, who sued. They sued for taking naked photos of Kate while on vacation in France in 2012. Now, let me tell you. She was, like, all the way in the mountains, in a villa, like, nowhere. It was so remote. I mean... And they had a long lens, so they did that. But they Quite won. a lens they had. Quite a lens. <laughs> Serena Williams and Alex Ohanian had a baby girl, and nobody can find out what the name of their daughter is. Anybody? What? Anybody? No, uh, haven't heard. Neither. Haven't heard, haven't I've been heard. all over. Okay. Hand in Hand, a benefit for Hurricane Harvey Relief, will air live at 8 p.m. on Tuesday, September 12th. Among the guests, Beyonce, George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Barbara Streisand, Reese Witherspoon, Oprah, our friend Jamie Foxx, Rob Lowe, Matthew McConaughey, and more will appear in a one-hour multi-network telethon. So CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox, all at the same time roadblock. That's awesome. Facebook bought WhatsApp for $22 billion. We all know that. Well, now the messaging service is planning to start invoicing companies for recently introduced features that help bridge the gap between businesses and consumers. This was coming from Matt Edema, who is WhatsApp COO, and he told that to Fox Business. And Meghan Markle and Prince Harry are happy and in love. I know we're all happy about that. And what happened in Boston? (laughs) Dirty socks! Dirty socks! (laughs) The Boston Red Sox are the latest Boston team to be accused of 
cheating. Everybody knows I am a New York fan, okay? First was the Patriots, uh, you know, then it was Tom Brady. Them dirty socks. Alleged, <laughs> allegedly. Right. But now allegedly. the Major League Bo- Baseball said the Boston Red Sox used Apple Watches to steal hand signals from the opponent's catchers against the Yankees and other teams. And they have no idea how to prosecute this. They've been indicted. Like, so it's like they know they got caught, they, all that, but... There's everybody's been stealing for years. Yeah. But this is the first time technology's been used, unless we Seth think. is about to correct me on something. No, I was gonna say that um Boston came back and said, Well the Yankees are doing it too with their cameras. Yeah, they, oh, yeah. okay, great. Little different than when you got your mommy. eye with your Apple mommy. iPhone. They did it too. Yes. You know, they go like this. Oh my god. This, you know, the catchers have all their signals with their fingers between their legs. Well, I mean, how would you really penalize something like that? How would you we, Seth, they don't know. You? That's why it's uncharted waters. It's it's never been. T- We've never had this type of technology well, available to us. It's, it's, it's not for the quickies. The not so quick, but quickies. Well, you know, it's it's crazy too because of course everybody wants the advantage. I just want to see how they did it with the Apple iPhone. I just want. I'm to sure we'll. I'm sure it'll come out. I'm sure it will as well. They're going to show us our watch. I'm sorry, Apple Watch. Seth's on the money today. Correcting everybody. Oh yeah. <laughs> Seth, what are you saying about that? Right. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> okay, and thank you, Lisa. They were all great ones. You're I, I, welcome. I couldn't wait to scream dirty socks. <laughs> 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 that was my whole big point to that. I feel like that should be a song done by Phoebe Buffay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dirty socks. Oh, yeah, does. Dirty socks. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. so true. That's so true. And I just watched the Don't friends. blame the dirty sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, Lise, what do you got for sponsor? Oh, oh my God. this I'm so excited. Sponsor is Milana Wigs, the most natural and undetectable wig. Now, we all know, like I just said, you know, my mom is a breast cancer survivor. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And September is Alopecia Month. So this company is listed as a local resource for Cancer Matters in L.A., Gailey Poo, Mm -hmm. they are located in Brooklyn, L.A., and Long Beach. They use virgin European hair, most desired due to the texture, and premium processed human hair wigs. They have stylists who wash, they'll style your wig, they'll cut it, they'll include keratin treatments, color treatment, whatever you can imagine. They got four types of wig caps, plus a wide grip comfort band, which according to my mom, is much needed to stay in place with clips on bangs and extensions. Now, for Alopecia Month this month, they have their Adorna collection, which includes hats that have hair extensions. Some are baseball caps with extension, berets, wigs, and regular extensions. They do so, so, so much, I can't even list it. However, MilanoWigs.com, M-I-L-A-N-O-W-I-G-S.com. Thank you, Go find them. And when we get back, we're going to have Gail. Gail is going to bring the emails. Emails from lovely people out there. Tough Mother Mail. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. We got Tough Mother Gail, and she's got the Tough Mother Mail. Here we go. Yes, I Wee, do. Tough Mother Mail, sponsored <laughs> by Milano Wigs. <laughs> the most natural, undetectable wigs. You know, I, mean, I think I want to try a wig. 
I think it's a I good do, way. definitely. It's, it's a good way to test out how? different. How are you putting your hair in a wig? You've got a lot of stuff I going do, on. I but I could always just Wait do the Wait till Carol's thing. daughters come on, okay? Oh, my God, I love that one. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Never mind. Back to <laughs> First one we got is from Kara. And she says, hi, my boyfriend and I have been together a little over a year, and we have such a great relationship. Lately, we've been talking about taking the next step and living together, but there's a major problem. Listen to this one. He won't move out of his mom's house. He wants me to move in. We're 24 and 25 years old, and he doesn't understand why I wouldn't want a free dinners every night and a free, fully furnished home. He has such an attachment to his mom and living at home that it's starting to put a major strain on me. How do I get him to cut the cord? Help. Oh, boy. He's not ready. No, no. He's definitely he's not, not ready. ready. Who wants to move into your boyfriend's mother's house? And you know what? I don't like the whole... Did you say he said free meals? Is that what he said? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's saying a, uh, a free, fully furnished home and free dinners every night. So it means he's waiting for his mommy to cook him meals. Bam. And his mommy, like, he needs to get off the tit. He's breastfeeding still. Right. And, you know. it, it's so true. But you know yes! what the, the other thing is? What? No, no, Gail, you're right. Because who says at 25 years old, I'm living in my mother's house for free? Good. You're not helping this woman? You don't well, help your not, mom not, with anything? No. So guess what? Then he's just going to move from one situation, got it. mommy, to another. You're not his mommy. What is there? Was there anything in there that said they were trying to save for a house? No. No. Right? It okay. just says just free. Wanted to, wait, just wanted to clarify. And free. Yes. And free. This guy is, okay. is not grown up yet. No. So I would not be moving out of anything to move in. She might want to think about staying with him. Listen, how do I get him to cut the cord? You don't. Seth, did you live at your mom's at 25? Free? No. <laughs> I did not. And did you want anybody to move into your mom's? No, I don't want anybody to move into my mom's. That's that's not, that's Come not on, sexy. Come on, you wanted to burp you and change your diapers. Don't that's, that's, that's a different conversation, Lisa. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably still doing his laundry, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, this guy is not at all grown up. So oh, yeah, yeah. If you want a grown up relationship, How this is it. them these days? Get the hell out. Oh, okay. Next one. Unconcerned mother. Dear OTM, my son is hitting that magical age of puberty, and he started to get that teen boy smell. How can I encourage him to be more hygienic without embarrassing him and hurting his feelings? Oh, boy. Let me just tell you how bad this is. Three sons playing football, three sons with pads, three sons with helmets, three sons with shoes, and everything that's in between their feet and their head, and it smells so bad. It's the teenage funk. It is the teenage <laughs> funk, baby. And not like Parliament Funkadelic. It's the funk. No, it's no, it's funky that, funk. Yeah, it's that pig pen cartoon <laughs> where the cloud follows him around the house. That's what it reminded wow. me of with my what kids. Do? What do you do? Seth? Seth? Seth, what do you do? You threaten them. Oh, yeah. Keep it clean. Kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you give them a, a thing of deodorant, <laughs> soap, a washcloth, and say scrub. Are you kidding? How you dry? How you tell them without embarrassing them? You tell You're them privately. His mother. You go in there and you go, look, you stink. It's your job to embarrass them. Yeah, him. it's your job. Well, wait a minute. Why can't the husband do it? Is she married? She doesn't say. She just says oh, she's she is married. Maybe the husband could. Good do job, it. Lise. Maybe well, the husband well, could if could, she's married. But it, and it sounds like it's all on her. She's one concerned mom. Well, whatever the case is, this is what I do. I'm going to give you my own motherly advice. Ah! Open the door, walk through and go, you really stink. This stuff's for you. Use it. <laughs> That's it. That's all I can say. 
Okay. Oh, it's just the beginning of conversation she's going to have to have with him, isn't it? Yes, truly. Lots to follow. La, 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 la. <laughs> okay. The next one we've got is from Pam. She says, Dear One Tough Mother, I recently came across a post on 10 things I want to tell my daughter. When I came to number four, which said, Make a list of qualities she should look for in a man. It was a, like a light bulb went off. Oh, what a great idea. My daughter's 10 now, and I'm anxious to make a list of, uh, yeah, she's 10, make a list for her, but she's 10. When would it be right age to give my daughter a list like this? I'm very concerned for her future. I want her relationships to be better than mine have been. Well, what do you think? When is it? Pam, first of all, she's 10. Right. Right. Maybe you just give her a little bit more time to be a kid first. Maybe she just wants to talk about some dolls or some video game thing or whatever. And obviously, that's why you're writing us. Obviously, you're like, when should I do this? Right. And so, I think she's just she's ten. Let her be. Let her be a kid, and she'll start asking questions. Uh, you know, you'll see her begin to change. We all, you can, you, you'll sense it. And the other thing is, making a list of qualities she should look for in a man. You don't even know if she's straight yet. She's ten, so you might want to give yourself a little time. To see how she develops and, you know, start slow. I have a question. Mm. Is she married? There's a reason. No, I have a very valid point. Go ahead, Lisa. Does it say? It does. uh, She's saying, well, I'm going to say no. She doesn't. She doesn't say. But she wants her relationships to be better than hers have been. I'm guessing she's not happy. Okay, the reason I said that was if the husband could open the doors in front of the daughter and start demonstrating respectful ways to treat a woman that nice. might help. That's very yeah, that's, nice. Well, that's Lisa. true. That's they learned. That's, that's what I'm saying. Learn. Now yeah. she may not have that opportunity, but then again, she could open the door. She could open the car for her daughter, and she could say, you know, Dad used to do this for me when we were together. Things like, just little things like that. Yeah, she doesn't have yeah. to actually. She doesn't have to sit down with a list. Yeah, she doesn't have to sit down with a list now. But you know, but by yeah. by 14, when when they really start blowing into the boys thing, mm-hmm. it's a good idea. Yeah, it's really just, good idea. I, I think absolutely, and then and then sort of setting up the boundaries from knowing what what. So if somebody's supposed to touch you or when and how, what's uncomfortable for you, that right. type of stuff. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And Seth, what about your daughter? She's two. Um, when she's 30, she'll get the list. <laughs> <laughs> so no list for Seth's daughter. Well, that's too she's bad. got that chastity belt bought already. <laughs> and if you want to write us, you come know. to onetoughmother.com. Write us your question. We'll be happy to answer online or wherever you want us to write. We can write you back, but we'll answer it here, and you can hear it. And if you don't agree with the way we answer, go to onetoughmother.com and tell us you don't agree with us and tell us what your thoughts and feelings are about what we say. Lisa, and you've got one more story you want to tell us. Well, I found this very interesting because we've all been through it. Most women have all been through it. Six ways to protect yourself from returning to a toxic commitment for relationship mm. so it's called the pursue panic cycle so um shannon bradley Kaliri, who's a huffington post contributor said this he wants you you give in then he doesn't want you you hurt it finds you you find strength to walk away he wants you you give in he doesn't want you mm-hmm. rinse and repeat mm-hmm. okay here here's a reality check ladies number one the two of you have operating systems as different as microsoft windows and mac goes Women desire intimacy, commitment, and longevity. Men desire these things when you are running. Mm -hmm. When you come back, men feel suffocated, panic, and bolt. Number two, slow things down just a little bit. Trust is earned, not given. So if you give him a second chance, because he swears he'll change, Mm -mm. go slow. Make 
makeup sex is great, but it's not. Definitely not an indicator that everything's fine. I love this one. Do not, under any circumstances, think you're in a movie. When Richard Gere, when Richard Gere dumped Deborah Winger in Officer and Gentleman, only to fly back into the factory and whisk her off into the sunset, that doesn't happen. No, does no, not no, happen. No. no. Believe what he does, not what he says. That is a big one. My mother's yes. been telling me that Actions. since I'm. She's been telling me that my whole life. Yep. It's not what they say. It's, it's what they do. Mm-hmm. And how they do Or it. what they don't do and what they don't say. Right. Correct. Don't right. find excuses for his bad behavior and certainly don't blame yourself. If, you're, if you've had parents with addictions or felt the cause of their problems, it leaves you vulnerable to narcissists, chaotics, ad- addicts, and commitment phobes. Look at your guy's past. If he's a player, then you know you're not responsible for his commitment mm-hmm. problem. And then take care of you. When he comes back, ask yourself, what do I want? Do I need this in my life? And then ask your higher power for strength to do what you decide. Good points. Really good points. And Lisa, where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, OneToughMother.com. Again, OneToughMotherWithAYou.com because you don't have to be a mother to be One Tough Mother. It's so, all about you. you. Thank you, Lisa. They were, they're really great points. So we're going to end the show, as we always do, with Tough Mother Says. Tough Mother Says, sponsored by I Love Them, More f- to Come From Them, Carol's Daughter, Hair and Skin Products. Best in Love the world. is our first ingredient. They're fantastic. Gail, I want to get those. Mother Says, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. Think about that. Mm. We don't see things as they are. We see things as we we are. So before you jump on something, give that some thought. Thanks everybody for coming back to the show. We can't wait to hear from, or we can't wait to have our show next week. We have another great guest. You're going to love it. Thank you, Tough Mother Gail. Thank you guys. We love you. And thank you, Tough Mother Lisa. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait till next week. And I, of course, I've got Tough Brother Seth here. Yeah. Poking me in the back. Yeah. Have a good day, everybody. And we can't wait to see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>